Welcome, teacher friend. I'm Lori. And I'm Melissa. We are two literacy educators in Baltimore. We want the best for all kids, and we know you do too. Our district recently adopted a new literacy curriculum, which meant a lot of change for everyone. Lori and I can't wait to keep learning about literacy with you today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Melissa and Lori Love Literacy Literacy Podcast. We are very excited for our very special guest today. We've been really wanting to dig into what this looks like, what high quality instructional materials look like in different settings than um, just like your general public education school in a, in a school that is a little bit special. And <laughs> I think the KIPP schools are really special schools all across the country, and so we have a very special guest to help us do that. Um, We have Daisy Salazar Garza, and she is going to be, is it, do you say principal, do you say leader of KIPP? School leader leader of uh, (laughs) KIPP SoCal. So welcome, Daisy. (laughs) Welcome, Daisy. Thank you so much for having me here. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and I'm so excited to talk to you because you your school hasn't even opened yet, right? So you're in a really unique spot where you get to do so much thoughtful planning for opening a school. So I'm excited to hear what that planning looks like. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. It's been, it's been nice uh, considering I've, I've been a school leader before um, at a school that's fully grown. It's, it's a nice opportunity to have um, the ability to have a break and kind of think about like, what, what does education look like at this time? Yeah. Yeah. Um, how to reimagine it um, and have conversations with parents and uh, about what their desires are for for education in a, in a school. Um, so it's been awesome. Sure. That's awesome. So you've been spending a lot of time choosing curriculum and considering rigor and doing all of the prep work to get school going. So you are starting, if I'm correct, your school will open uh, 2021-2022. So, so this coming school year, correct? Yes, we're opening um, in August uh, with TK and K. That's exciting. So will you tell us a little bit about your journey and how uh, how you chose Wit and Wisdom? I'll put it out there so everybody knows you chose Wit and Wisdom. Um, <laughs> how you chose Wit and Wisdom and why you chose Wit and Wisdom. Yeah, so I, um, I'm actually from Los Angeles, California, uh, born and raised. Um, both of my parents are Mexican immigrants. Um, and I think through my own educational experience, um, I, I definitely saw a lot of inequities, um, that I experienced myself. Um, one of the first people in my family is to go to college, um, which really motivated me to, uh, do more for my community and more for, um, students who look like me, um, to make sure that they have a really excellent education. Uh, so I actually taught in Philadelphia public schools. Um, as I'm a, from Philadelphia. <laughs> as a second grade bilingual teacher. Um, and, you know, I did as a teacher do a lot of like social justice topics and early on in my career because I felt it was really important for kids to have those conversations. Um, and also kids are just so very like curious and like they observe a lot and they have a lot mm-hmm. of things that they're thinking about and that they know already <laughs> yes. um, without us really like having those conversations, right. We don't really get to hear their thoughts and their opinions and what they have to um, face in their communities. And so, um, you know, I even had with my second grade class, like I had a, we had a community walk, we pinpelled with 
other schools in, you know, urban, more like suburban areas and compared kind of like our school versus like a school in a suburban area and really Mm -hmm. talked about those inequities and why those were happening. And so I'm really a lot about like making sure that kids have like lots of rich discussion, that they have the ability to build on their ideas and push each other, because I feel like that really invests kids in their learning and, and propels them to see the world in a different way. Um, and so I, I actually, someone recommended that I see a KIPP school. So I went to uh, a KIPP school in Philadelphia um, and f- just fell in love with um, the culture, like the way that all people in the school building just had this really great passion for education and like-mindedness of we are doing everything we can for our kids and our families. Um, and I wanted to be a part of that. And so um, Kip Philly recommended me to Kip NYC and I ended up applying there and uh, was a part of the founding uh, team for first grade at Kip Infinity Elementary School, where I was also a teacher and um, a leader um, as and, and the school leader eventually of the school. Um, it, at Kip Infinity, we, we used um, Wheatley, which some people might know or might not know is kind of like, um, was kind of like great minds and wit and wisdom, but then it departed and, and wit and wisdom was created. Um, and there's, there's a lot of things that I, um, that I enjoyed about Wheatley and there's things that were, that were missing. And I think when, um, you know, I came to Kip SoCal, I was talking to, um, our academic team and they had mentioned wit and wisdom. Um, and at the school, middle school I was at, we actually, um, I actually did the sixth grade curriculum and really enjoyed it um, and thought it was a really great experience for kids. Um, and they were just having lots of rich discussions about literature and were invested in the units. Um, and so that really, you know, having to, you know, teach the curriculum myself, you know, as I was coaching a teacher and, um, you know, supporting her in the implementation of the curriculum. Uh, really like interested me in seeing like the early grades, um, particularly because I, you know, I am an elementary school teacher um, Mm -hmm. and it was an elementary uh, leader as well and a principal. Um, And so it was great to kind of go back into the units and see wit and wisdom um, and do some of the PDs. And I I really want to, you know, it felt like that curriculum, the curriculum itself really allows kids to like learn about the world, have deep discussions, like not only like learn about reading, right. And become (laughs) invested in reading, but like invested in the world, right. Invested in like having conversations and um, even just the the structure of like having kids notice and wonder, right. And think about like, what, what is my relationship to this book and how am I thinking about this book um, in my own life and the way that I perceive it. Um, And then building students understanding and the rigor with it, um, I thought was like amazing, um, which is why, um, I, I selected this curriculum uh, to to be part of my my founding school. That's exciting. I'm I'm thinking one of the uh, questions that you mentioned um, in our pre call is how can we make this relevant for our kids? And you know I think that that's really important. And that that question to me stuck out and also stands out as you share right now, your, your kind of story, your narrative about why, you know, you chose Wit and Wisdom and how that came to be. Um, I'm curious what, because I know that you mentioned, you know, the noticing wonder. So the actual structures that we use to teach kids how to access text, but is there anything in particular in the 
texts, in the topics, in the tasks that stand out as relevant for kids in terms of, um, I, I want to leave it really broad for you, but I'm thinking like in terms of like curiosity or um, anti-bias or anti, you know, racist, the things that I know that Kip is really passionate about. Yeah, I think that the the great things about the curriculum, right, is that it's like iterative, iterative of like, let's, let's go back to a book, which allows a lot of ability to kind of look at the, the layering of reading, right. And like putting in kind of like complicating the reading of like, what does this actually mean? Um, and so one of the great things that I, that I really enjoyed about the curriculum was um, how it allowed me as a, as a school leader to infuse um, my ideas about anti-racist and anti-bias education um, particularly, right, like, when approaching the curriculum, like, I internalized it as is, used the protocols that were provided by the curriculum um, itself, and then thought in myself to myself, like, how do we um, complicate the curriculum by thinking about um, issues of equity um, and identity? And so, you know, I think that the, the themes of the units are topics that kids are interested in. Um, and so for an example is like in kindergarten, like our five senses, like it, that's, you know, that's how they explore the world, right? Mm -hmm. Through their senses. (laughs) And there's like a lot of really like relationship, right. Of like, yeah, that feels icky. (laughs) or Like that smells gross. Like um, (laughs) like, that's just like kindergartners. Like, yeah, that's like how I use my senses. I love it. Um, That's basically their, in the entire way they explore the world. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And so I think like taking that, right. And then like talking about like, well, how do our senses help us navigate the world, right? And then another layer I took with approaching the curriculum was thinking about um, like their own kind of like, what do the the curriculum itself, the books, right? And looking at the books, a lot of it promotes like ableism, which is like all people who use all of their senses, right? And so I thought in my head, like if we're thinking about um, identities and we're thinking about bias, right? Um, and equity, like how do we complicate that for kids where they're thinking about maybe people who don't have their sense of, of um, sight or their sense of hearing and ask them like, how do how would we navigate the world if, if that was um, what we had to go through and really understanding that so that they don't see that our world is full of like, you know, able-bodied people that don't, you know, have experienced any of these um, disabilities, but really thinking about the world in like, People are different and we experience the world differently. And how do I understand that experience um, and, and really like ask questions about it so that I have an awareness um, and an understanding uh, that, that helps me be a better human being. Awesome. Daisy, can you back up for us a little bit? I just want to, um, for, our, for our audience's sake, um, talk a little bit about like your school is going to actually have a focus on anti-bias, anti-racist education. Is that, is that right? Yeah. So our school, um, the name of the school is Kipolet Public School. Um, and we're founding in the Montebello Unified School District. Um, and one of the like guiding principles, like we have four guiding principles at our school. One of it is like who we are matters. So like our identities and our histories and who we are is important. Um, and another guiding principle is being inclusive matters. So anti-racist and anti-bias education are important. Um, And thinking about identities that are similar to ours and different from ours are important for us to understand um, 
one, like other people's experiences, but also like how our world is set up. Um, our other two um, guiding principles are community matters and relationships matters. And that, that's more of like how we see um, learning and growth, right? Happening in a community of learners together, not only the students, but also families, right? And staff members and having the ability for us as individuals, as a part of a larger community of the school to examine our own identities and our own biases, right? Um, what we experience at home and how do we form that connection between what our children see at home and what they're experiencing at home and the knowledge they have and bringing that to our school um, so that they see the relevance of what they're learning and, and are creating connections between that. That's amazing. One of the things that to, to just kind of connect um, what you mentioned before to what you just said now. So about the, for example, that ableist perspective to what you mentioned uh, and giving the framing for your school so eloquently, um, I'm thinking about students accessing those different perspectives and doing so because they have built such a strong content knowledge base through the curriculum to be able then to think outside of what their own self is and then also thinking about that knowledge base that they've built through the curriculum that then they're able to see the other perspectives because of that like it's really really hard I think to see your to see other perspectives when you only have your own perspective without the knowledge behind it to give you that uh, like 360 view um, I feel like what you're what you're saying is almost like supporting building like a volume of reading for students to to really broaden their perspective um, even more so than we we do in the curriculum is that like an accurate kind of idea to grab at yeah i think like knowledge building is very important i think also like tapping into our students own sense of like knowledge that they experience in their world is also important and i think yes like the volume of reading and ex like exposing children to various like texts um, has students make those co like connections, but also formulate questions um, and really interrogate and inquire the world, which is super important for them to have, not just like as students, but like as people in the world. Yeah. You had mentioned one of your guiding principles is community. And so I'm wondering how you support students to learn from the world, to learn from people around them. Um, like how are, how do you do that? How do you help them learn from their community? Um, I'm just curious because I think KIPP is, a, a, I've heard it's very special. I, if anyone listening uh, wants to take me on a KIPP tour, I'm game because I haven't <laughs> been in a KIPP school yet. Um, but I've heard it's it's wonderful. And I, um, I'm just curious how you are thinking that you'll make those connections to the community. Yeah, I think like even right now, right, I don't have, um, they school has it, right? So I don't have like a building for working on that, but um, you know, I'm talking to families now um, that are enrolling and having sessions with them, um, you know, to discuss topics that interest them, but also, um, you know, provide information and have conversations about what their experiences are and, and, you know, what knowledge and interest their children have and how we're bringing that into our school. Um, you know, something we do a lot at KIPP that we really believe in is like um, having home visits. And so, um, at, at my school, what I've structured is um, having a welcome visit where um, myself and, and my founding team right now, which is my operations team, we're all going to do welcome visits where um, the focus is on our value of pride. Um, and it's our value of pride is like being proud of who we are and who we're going to become and really like asking our, our parents and our families in those visits, like, 
what are you most proud of? Like, what are celebrations you have at home? What are things that you value at your, in your family that you enjoy? Um, and taking and listening and taking notes of that so that we're able to include that in our school, right? And those celebrations and the things that they value that we're able to represent that in our school building and our mm-hmm. planning over the summer with our, with our teachers um, that are going to be starting. All of that is intentional, right? And then even having our um, teachers do their home visits, right? Um, and, and having them do, you know, the focus is wisdom. So like, um, you know, the, the power of experience and storytelling, having our, our teachers ask our parents, like, what are things like stories that you love and enjoy in your family? What are things that you appreciate in your family that we can include in our, um, in our teaching? Um, and so that's something that, that we have at our school, but also KIPP in general, we really like are very big on home visits and, and getting to meet and know our families. Um, you know, as a, as a teacher and as a, as a school leader at camp, I still have like, I, the kids remember that, like the first day of Aww. school, they're nervous. Right. And they're like, oh my God, I don't know anyone at this school, right? <laughs> this school. But then they'll see you, you know, in a crowd of people and be like, yeah. oh, like Ms. Salazar Garza, you did my home visit. You came to my house. Like, yeah. and you can have that, you know, conversation with them of like, I'm so happy you're here. I know you're a little nervous, but you're going to do great. And like, it was so great to be at home with your family and get to see you and your family at home and learn from you. And I think that that like, that sticks with kids, right? Um, And it sticks with us too. And um, having done lots of home visits over the years, like there's so many families and, and students that I've met that like, they remember that. I remember that. And that's something that, um, that, that really shows our families that like, we're here to partner with you. Like you are an asset to our school um, and our network and we want to get to know you. And like, thank you so much for like enrolling your child at our school because that's a promise that is sacred for us. Um, and that's something that that I always thought was such an amazing part of, um, of every year is having that experience as a staff member to do home visits with our families. So great to hear, Daisy. Um, I have something totally different on my mind, so I'm sorry if I'm going to like take you in a different direction. Lori, <laughs> did you want to keep talking about that question? Because I I don't want to. No, no, no. I I I I think it's really special that you all do that. And I I used to do home calls when I you know was a teacher. I would call a different family, um, and then make it my beeswax to call them every day to make a call every day on my way home but not a visit and so I'm thinking oh if I could go back and be a teacher again I would do a visit <laughs> so no oh. take us in a different direction right. Melissa. That was, I was just like sharing my inner narrative on this beautiful <laughs> afternoon as Stacy was sharing that with us <laughs> So I have to, um, Daisy, you already like gave your example of um, that kindergarten module and how you, you know, might bring in that the texts with, um, you know, people who can't see, right, as as opposed to the the books that are about, (laughs) you know, people that can see. Um, And since we talked the first time, like I literally like it blew my mind, (laughs) that example (laughs) that you brought up. um, And I've been thinking about it since. And so my, my question is. I'm wondering how you got to that place. Like, how did you, you know, go through the curriculum and get there? And I'm going to add another question on, how are you going to support your teachers too? Because I think, I think hearing that you could easily, 
this is because I think it's kind of a gut instinct for teachers is to like, I have a curriculum and now I'm going to like tear it apart and like take, like find all the bad things about it. Lori and I did it the first time we looked at Wit and Wisdom and then we learned our lesson. We learned very quickly within um, 12 minutes. We were like, you can't do this. But the way I heard you talk about it is like, there is such great stuff in there. There's a lot of rigor. We're not trying to take out what's there, but we're trying to like extend and add on. So I'm just wondering how you did that and then how you plan to guide your teachers through that once once you have a staff. Yeah, I think like um, the curriculum is like really well organized and like it's just it's purposeful, right? And and it's rigorous. Um, so I think, you know, having myself, what I did was like go through the actual like protocols that WinWISM has for like internalization Mm-hmm. um for yeah. like the the module the unit and like the lesson arcs and each lesson right doing that work myself and then thinking about like what is already there in the curriculum and and like what might and thinking through like a critical literacy lens of you know an, an anti-racist lens what are things that are missing um that that need to be present um, and so what I added to the internalization um, protocols was more guiding questions for teachers um, the, which were questions that I asked myself um, internally in my head, but I had to like, think, like, what was the thing that I asked myself and how do I make this like transferable for, for a teacher to do? Yeah. Um, and so there's like two sections in the transition that added, um, you know, everything else is the same from, from Wit and Wisdom. I just added was like, one was like a, a component where we're learning from the community. So what aspects of what is presented already in the curriculum um, you know, affirm or align or connect with what our families are bringing, right? What, what their knowledge base, who they are. And then the question of like, what are things that are missing that are not present? Um, and then how do we like purposely plan that out, right? So like in a unit, you know, thinking of how do we plan that out in a purposeful way throughout the unit in a way that doesn't disrupt like the curriculum, but like as an enhancement to it. Um, and then the second aspect of like questioning I had, it was more of like the liberatory approach to veg- of like reading, which is this anti-racist, anti-bias perspective, um, which is like how, what, what perspectives like in the curriculum support, um, you know, white supremacy or white normative culture. And what are things that are maybe perspectives that are marginalized that are not present? And then how do we plan for that in a proactive way? Um, and so that allows us to, um, really ensure that like, we're thinking about it in an intentional way, um, and in a way that like enhances what's already in the curriculum. Um, and so that's the approach that I took to kind of think about, like, how do we put that in action? And they're the same questions for the unit. They're the same questions for like the lesson arc, same questions for the, like the lesson study, right? All the protocols have the same questions so that you know, as a teacher, I'm consistently asking myself these questions so that I'm always thinking about things in a different perspective, in a different light and thinking about like, how am I planning that? Um, And in our school, we're going to do a lot of like content meetings where we do it like together as a team, like before we launch a unit, we're going to like internalize the unit together and plan it together um, and leverage each other because that's really important. Um, so I think like that speaks to like the aspect of like internalization and like how to make it a structure and system, you know, in, in the school that's manageable for teachers. Um, and then when I think about like development, right, I'm thinking about 
how do I, um, as a as a school leader, develop my teachers to understand these concepts of anti-racist and anti-bias education? So think talking to them about what critical literacy is, talking to them about like what are like what does intersectionality of identities, what does that mean? Right. And and having them do that work in the summer before we even talk about curriculum, like have them apply that to themselves, like as people and examining their own identities that allows them to then be able, just like in the curriculum, right? You do your, you focus on yourself and then you start applying it to the outside world, right? Like how do I then apply that to something like wit and wisdom, right? Because they've done the work for like, in my perspective with, with my identity. Um, and so that's, that's kind of like my vision or my plan for how I, I plan to really like onboard my staff and ensure that like, they have the ability to be successful with doing the work. Um, and I myself have done the internalization of all of the units to make sure that like I'm prepared to, to support my teachers as they're doing that work themselves, right? So that I'm you know, prepared ahead of time to make sure that I can um, look and think about like what misconceptions they might have, what difficulties they, they might have so that I can prepare that myself to, to help them navigate that and teach them. Um, how to best approach it. So incredibly thoughtful and strategic. I know. I'm like, can I move to California and teach at your school? <laughs> I just think, for, I mean, for those listening, right, for those listening, like, I just want to name that this, it, you're you're really supporting teachers. You're being insanely supportive by doing the work side by side with them, by being able to say, I've done these protocols. I did them. Yeah. Let's do them together. And and take them through each one. And then also let's ask these critical questions that help us extend and enhance the knowledge and the learning of our students in front of us. It, I think that those questions are, um, yeah, I can't remember if, the, if you said this or if I said this or what, but it, they're demonstrating that critical consciousness and they're helping they're helping teachers to take the curriculum at hand and then utilize their knowledge of their students and like find that sweet spot of how do I support the students in front of me? And you're modeling that really strongly by, by doing that for, you know, your staff with supporting them through the internalization of the curriculum. So I just, I, I just want to say that's incredibly supportive and, and really intense and, and hard work. And, and it's time consuming. It's, stop provoking it's it's challenging in a lot of ways so thank you for that work of course I mean I'm happy I think for me like at the heart I'm like a teacher I love teaching and <laughs> I think for me I like to do the work um so that I can kind of see like experience it from the lens of a student and a teacher and like how can we make sure that we meet the needs of of everyone right so that they feel successful because that's that's the thing like we want everyone to feel like teachers to feel successful and students to feel successful in their learning. Um, and as a school leader, I take that responsibility, like really like I, I to heart, right? It's like, if, if my team or my students aren't feeling successful, um, it's my role to figure out what I can do to make sure that they feel developed um, and they feel like they're, they're being successful in their learning. And so this is part of the process for me is like, I, I'm always that person that like, I need to do things in order to know like, <laughs> how to the best like approach things. And so um, I appreciate you, you, you know, saying that, naming that. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm curious um, how you plan to execute this with teachers. <laughs> like it's hard work. There's, I know you said, you mentioned that you're going to 
start ahead of time, which is very good plan starting in the summer. Um, but other than that, like, how are you envisioning this occurring throughout the year? It, it, obviously, it's going to be ongoing because I can can tell by the way that you were talking in our pre-call, but I'll hand it to you. How do, what, how do you envision this uh, rolling out with teachers? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is like going through like what does internalization of content look like? Going through like the 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 wit and wisdom itself, and like what are the components of it? Why, right? Like the implementation guide, digging deep into that before we even like do the internalization. And then I would say like you know doing the internalization processes together over the summer so that everyone's familiar and like it is getting kind of like experience with it. Um, and in my experience, just in having, you know, done weekly before, right, what we always used to have is just weekly content meetings where we met as a team and normed and talked about the curriculum, talked about the books and like practiced, you know, the questions we asked, for example, or practice things that, um, you know, we're struggling with. Um, and, you know, as a school leader, my, my role really is you know, the first year is really just implementation. And so it's really like observing my teachers on a weekly basis to see like how implementation is going, what are some trends that I'm noticing um, on like a, a basis of like, I'm observing, you know, all of kindergarten, what is, what are some trends I'm noticing? And then like, how do I incorporate that in my, my weekly planning of my content meetings? So that when I'm facilitating it, right, I'm help, I'm, I'm naming for my team, like, you know, pacing seems to be an issue. I'm noticing that across our classrooms, here's some strategies that we're going to use to really like, um, you know, make sure that our pacing is on point and that we're getting through all portions of the curriculum. Here's some goals that we're all going to work to collectively and let's do the internalization and practice, right? Um, and then, you know, monitor that and celebrate my team when they do make, you know, pacing happen and everything's, you know, going well and we're meeting our goals. And then thinking about like, you know, it, thinking about our teachers and the development, right? Not all teachers are also um, in the same area of development, right? Everyone's different. And so thinking about like, if there's a teacher who might need more time with internalization, spending the time in my one-on-one -on -one, one -on -one meetings with them on a weekly basis to actually do the internalization work with them. Um, so I think when I view about like, like support, right? Support has to be ongoing um, and it has to be um, in partnership. And, um, and, and, and always like a dialogue of a conversation, right? Um, having been a teacher myself, like things are not as easy <laughs> as they appear, right? Um, it's not Never. as easy as, like, one, two, and three, and you're good, right? It's like, it's complicated, right? And I think that's the, be the beautiful part of teaching, right? Is that every year you get different kids and that makes you a better teacher. That just makes mm -hmm. you a really awesome teacher when you get different cohorts of kids and you get to think about your teaching in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, and so part of that process is, is supporting my teachers in that, right? So that they don't feel alone, um, so that they feel that they have someone to um, be a thought partner with. Um, and, and my experience is as a school leader, like I've always had teachers who are like, you know, hey, Daisy, like here's this exit ticket. I just stayed with my kids and like they really didn't do well with this. Like, can we talk about it? Yes. Like bring it for <laughs> like our weekly meeting and like, let's talk about it. Um, and those are just kind of like the open conversations I have like with my staff of like, let's dig into it. That's awesome. Bring you know, I'm always open to hearing from my staff what issues they're having so that we can problem solve it. Um, and so that we can all get better. That's awesome. I love it when um, school leaders are also really good thought partners. And the fact <laughs> that you just said that your staff is willing to bring things that like 
exit tickets that didn't go so well. Like that's yeah. the true testament of like, you're an amazing school leader. <laughs> Cause I always think back, I'm like, who are the school leaders who I would have brought things like that to? I'm right. like the ones who I felt really comfortable with. Right. <laughs> so you're, I mean, you're just going to create an incredible environment. Will you send us um, some pictures or even oh, like yeah. when you open just yeah. be in contact with us. We'd love oh, to hear totally. about how it's going. <laughs> totally. Videos, everything. I'll send yeah, you. <laughs> yeah. Send them along. Well, um, hopefully we'll have a more advanced website by then. <laughs> be able to post something for you. <laughs> Do you I'm so curious about, um, I've been thinking this whole time, like about Baltimore, right. And how, you, the approach you're taking, like as a school district with um, how many schools are there, Lori? I don't even know. 200? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, like they wouldn't be able to, we wouldn't be able to do what you're doing as a district because that the questions that you asked and the, uh, I'm going to get this wrong, but the exact question was Daisy, but it was like, you know, it's basically about the students who are there in front of you. Right. And like seeing their identity and that's different at each one of our schools. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't be possible really to do what you're doing at a district level because <laughs> the, the identity of the students is different where you, wherever you go. And so that's a really good point. Melissa. I just think it's really, um, powerful to hear you talk about like you know the work has to be done at the school level at the teacher level and and might even change from year to year you know as you all get new students and you do more of these home visits and you see who who is in your community and who isn't um so I don't even know what my question is but I've just, you just made me really think through that um you know of like and, and I guess what my real question is behind behind it is like how did you get to such a I think your question is just really powerful, right? The questions that you were asking in that um, protocol, the ones that you added, mm-hmm. because it's not, I, I think we see, I'm going to just be real like Frank here. We've seen some people who are just like, let's go through a checklist. Like how many white authors are there? How many black authors are there? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we just go through a checklist and it's like, okay, we're good. You know, we, we're good or we're not good. And it's like, well, <laughs> it doesn't even take into consideration the students who are in front of you or at this school versus this school. Um, so just wondering how you got to like that. Well, what's your reaction to everything I just babbled about? <laughs> Wait, I also want to note before Daisy shares, I just want to note that it is in the very late afternoon here for Melissa and I on the East Coast and Daisy is like, just fresh over <laughs> on the West Coast. So we've been, Daisy sounds really amazing and just fabulously flawless. And Melissa and I have like worked all day. But she's it's making like, me think really hard about things. I know. <laughs> it's so funny because I was yeah, like, I like <laughs> you're good. good. <laughs> No, I, I, I do. No, totally. Melissa. I understand what you're saying. Like, it's like the approach, right? I think like in education, I, the, the approaches we've taken are, are very like superficial. Um, yeah. right. And I think it, um, there's a couple, I think reasons why, um, I think one is like, sometimes we, we focus, you know, we tend to go su- superficial when we're uncomfortable, right. It's mm-hmm. like, if something is a checklist or I can name things and it's easy for me to like decipher, it's more comfortable for me to do that. Right. It's yeah. like, Oh, it's easy. I can, I can do that. But when it's like deep and like, you have to think about yourself and you have mm-hmm. to think about like your kids in a different way and people might shy away from that. Right. It's like, makes them feel uncomfortable. It's like nothing they've ever had to do before. Um, and I think like, yeah. That's if right. you think about like, you know, we think about our kids, right? We want kids to be critical thinkers and to be like, 
advocates and to like, you know, we want all these things for them, but we also have to do that ourselves. Like we are the models for our children. Right. Um, like James Baldwin said, like, you know, children look at us, right. (laughs) It's like they imitate adults. And so we have to do that work. Um, and that work is, is hard and it's not easy. Um, but it, it has to be done so that, um, our kids can benefit from that. Right. And so that's really like, for me, I think a lot of my thinking of the questions, right, came from the work that I've done for myself when it comes to the, the way that I look at the world, like my understanding of race, identity, intersectionality. Um, you know, I'm a big reader. <laughs> I read on my own a lot. And so, you know, even like just this, there's books from Vivian Maria Vasquez that talk about negotiating critical literacy with um, you know, early um, childhood, right, young children and like expanding my thinking and reading things and thinking about like, how does this either align or complicate what I'm thinking as an educator? Yeah. And I think that's super important. Um, and, and it benefits, you know, everyone. And I think that um, it allows us to walk away from like less superficial conversations about race, which tends to happen a lot um, and, and, and have more transformative conversations, which I think at, in our country right, right now, that's where we are right now, where you know, we're kind of done with the transactional, right? We're seeing patterns of injustice. And so we have to make a decision as a country, like, are we prepared to go into that transformational area where, yeah, we're going to have like really uncomfortable conversations with neighbors, with family members, right? With friends, but like, it has to happen. And it's the same thing we have to do in education. Um, And I think sometimes what happens in systems is we place so much hopes and so much like like demand on our kids, but we have to do that work too. Like that's how our kids see us as like, whoa, like, right. Those are the moments in my teaching that I've seen kids be like, wow, Miss Salazar, like you're, you're actually thinking about this too. And you're, you're thinking about like yourself and yeah, cause I'm always learning and I want to model that for my kids, right? Like I'm always learning myself. And so I'm not asking you to do the same thing. I have to do that too. Mm -hmm. You said in our pre-call, we can expand the way we think about things. So there's a variance of perspective in the curriculum we see. So we are preparing students to be critical thinkers. I think that really encapsulates what you just said. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Um, What I I also wrote down, because I loved everything that you said, um, (laughs) I wrote, you said what's difficult is finding a rigorous curriculum that affirms students' identities, but there are ways to have both. It's not an either or, it's an and. Um, so I'm curious about if you can elaborate on that at all. Um, and if you want to share a little bit about the critical literacy books that you read to get you to that point. Um, I went and I actually searched to the author that you mentioned um, in the area of law. And I was just so pumped to learn about that. And <laughs> you added to my learning by mentioning that. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I think like, when we think sometimes, right, it's like, oh, we have to do something from scratch, right? And I think, like, the reality is, like, our world um, exists, and we have to think about it in complicated ways to think about innovative things and change it. And so when I think about Wit and Wisdom, like, it has great culturally relevant texts, right? It, it, it has, it's rigorous. It, it, it really looks at our kids as, like, thoughtful, critical thinkers and pushes them to have critical conversations with each other, right? And it's an empowering experience, right? When you get to read a Mm -hmm. hold a book yourself and like get to ask questions and learn from your your friends, right? And 
and and have fun, but also examine the world, right? And and learn stuff that maybe you you might not know or affirm things you already know. Mm-hmm. And so I think about like, you know, it's not an or, right? It's an and. It's like, how do we then use what's there and really think about it in a different way? And so um, you know, something I mentioned in our pre-call was just like um this, you know, idea from like Kimberly Crenshaw, and she was like a legal scholar in the 80s, and she's amazing. Um, and I just love, love her. I love reading, um, her books and just hearing her. Um, and she really coined the term intersectionality, right? And so this idea that, um, there's simultaneous identities we have at the same time, and that, um, leads to racism and prejudice, right? And so this idea of like, you know, our society does promote ableism, for example, people who are able-bodied, um, but we don't look at the world in that way. And so we have to think about, yeah, I might be, um, you know, a woman, but maybe I'm disabled too. And that also, that, you know, really influences my experience in the world. Um, and, 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 and sometimes a not positive way. Right. And so thinking about the world in that way, I think also has our kids understand the various perspectives, right. That exist and the various identities that they hold too. Yes. Um, and really thinking about themselves, but also other people, um, and seeing the ways that who they are and complicating that. Um, I think what happens a lot in our world is we try to flatten that, right. And say, you know, especially in, you know, in large, like just in general schools, right. We, we demographically label our students, right. Like through this, through that, but there's a complexity with that, Mm -hmm. um, that, that is, that is not just a label, right. It's like, Oh, I have certain percentage of students who are Latino, but they can be from Ecuador. They can be from Mexico. They, you know, like, and that's a whole totally different experience, right. It's a whole totally different perspective. And so it's like, how do we approach education in that way so that we're complicating the way that we that we're seeing uh, ourselves and our kids and, you know, the things that we do at school? You just made me think of this is a terrible story. I'm <laughs> pretend it's not in Baltimore. It's anywhere. <laughs> but we actually have had some people who um, called our office to talk about how some students were not placed as, as an English learner based on their last name but they weren't actually an English learner because they <laughs> they were an English speaker. <laughs> but ba- there was an assumption made based on what their last name was that they were an English learner. And it just like, like oh my gosh, like we <laughs> can't believe this is happening. Um, so yeah, that's just a, I mean, one, one example of like, you can't just put everyone in a box. There's- Yeah, and it, it's easy, right? It's like, oh, I just did this, but like the implications for that, right? To have the the family or the student be like, well, I'm not, that's not who I am. And you just like right. labeled me like that's, that's problematic. Right. And so, but I think very like, much so again, sometimes it's, it's comfortable for us to label and box people. Um, but in a, you know, as educators, we have to think about the world in a different way um, or else our kids are going to do the same thing, you know? Yeah. And then, yeah. Then but we, that, we and that makes me think about what you said earlier though, Daisy, it's not only comfortable, it's easy. It's yeah. the checklist, right? Yeah. And that's where it's easy to stop there. I mean, I, I think about this moment all the time when um, actually right before we started the podcast, I think this propelled me to start the pod. This moment propelled me to call Melissa and be like, we should do a podcast. <laughs> I, I was doing an observation with a school leader and a district leader. And in that observation, you know, I had the lesson plan in front of me and I'm, I'm looking, you know, for this lesson and the, um, the district leader is just checking boxes, checking boxes, checking. Bo- and I was like, 
well, see, I know they're reading Blood on the River, but this is not the curriculum at all. Like, they're supposed to be doing this and this and this. And it was just, it was a very uncomfortable conversation because of the power dynamic, but also because it's not as easy as checking a box. And I realized in that moment, like, this is really about shifting thought, thoughts <laughs> and like ingrained practice and like the thought leadership that that person has in leading a district has completely done a 180 since we adopted high quality materials and are, it's just totally different now because it does require such intellectual preparation and so much deep knowledge of what you're, what you're teaching the content that you're teaching, the students in front of you. And it, it was way more than just a checklist. And so by that assessment with the checklist, it was like, yay, thumbs up, the teacher's doing it. And I was like, no, I don't think so. The teacher needs a lot of help and let's figure out how to do that. Um, but it was really hard to have that conversation because it was, it was not <laughs> comfortable. It was not easy. It was not linear. It, it was really messy. And um, sometimes I wish that I had liked math better than literacy because math to me is a lot more like skills-based and linear. I'm like, oh, this would be easy to point to it and say, this, <laughs> this is not what we're, this is the skill that we've missed and that's why we're here, but it's not so easy in literacy. So it was, it was so like not, not linear <laughs> and it was very messy, <laughs> but that's what you made me think of. <laughs> yeah, no, and totally. And I think like that, you know, the dialogue, right. Just think of like, if, if that person was open to the dialogue and you had a real conversation and maybe it was like, maybe the internally, like, the teacher hadn't had support in internalization. So right. I think, like, think about how, like, oh, so, like, let's figure out a plan for that and solve it yes. so that the kids are getting a, you know, excellent experience. But we kind of, you know, shut those conversations down when we don't have a conversation and we're just kind of, like, looking for things that we can check off instead of having the conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard to have a conversation, especially because it's, like, usually the school leader I mean, and this is like, I, I think an old school mindset that the school leader is like the expert and the, the person who knows the most in the building. And really the school leader is a side-by-side -side thought partner in, you know, to me in 2020, 2021, as we're <laughs> yeah. really in more recent years. Um, I think that we've kind of shifted that narrative for a school leader and the school leaders is a support person for you and, and a helpful person to help you learn you know, your content and learn your materials and help you learn more about your students. So I think all of the things that you're sharing on this podcast today will be so helpful for our listeners and whether they're teachers or leaders or aspiring leaders <laughs> or aspiring <laughs> district leaders, or um, I think you gave so many incredible um, pieces of like just what you're doing, like, so tips, advice, all the, all the good stuff. So we're excited. Um, do you, do you want to leave our listeners with a, a final piece of advice? I know you gave a lot. I just, I, you could pick one that you already said <laughs> to highlight, or you might want to share a new one. <laughs> yeah, I think that, um, I, you know, my, my whole push always is like, we're always learning and, um, it's always important for us to put ourselves in the shoes of others to really understand everyone's experience, to make that experience so much better and transformational for our kids. And they deserve that. I think our kids deserve that. Um, and that really takes us being uncomfortable. So I think like my message is just like lean into being uncomfortable and lean into asking questions so that 
um, you're able to grow and you're able to then develop so many other people, right? Um, and that's that's so important. And that's really where change happens, right? It's when we lean into uncom- like something that's uncomfortable, something that's new to us, and we ask questions and we're curious and we have an open dialogue that might be like not linear and not comfortable. <laughs> um, we're able to learn so much more. And that really helps the younger generation, right? Understand that like, this is all like we can make things better, but it only happens when we open ourselves to that. That is wonderful advice. <laughs> Lori's clapping for you. <laughs> um, so seriously, Daisy, when you start hiring at the upper grades, uh, <laughs> don't forget about me. <laughs> um, but really, I mean, I'm just like, you're going to be an amazing school leader. You are, you already have been a school leader, but especially for this school, you're going to just be amazing. And I am a little bit jealous of all the teachers that get to work with you. <laughs> Thank you. Guys, you'll have to send us some uh, pictures of student work, really. I mean, I, I just can't wait to see what your students are learning and doing because your leadership efforts are just incredible. So thank you so much. Oh yeah. Let's do a second podcast when uh, yeah. you, get, you get your kindergartners. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, you know, you can, you guys can follow me on my, uh, my Instagram. My school has an Instagram that I'm building right now. It's Kipoled Public School. Um, and I, I purposely like the things that I post, um, are meant to show our families, like what our guiding principles are and these ideas and concepts in action, um, in our world today. Um, and we, we do that. We highlight our kids too, that are new to our our school, but, um, you know, doing that work also, again, it's not just with teachers and with, with students, it's also with our families, right. Having those conversations with our families and, and building their, um, understanding and under and like understanding their own understanding and knowledge right and working mm-hmm. through that is super important so that you know the a child's first teacher is their parent um and and it's really important to partner with our parents so that they understand the work that we're doing and we can do it together yeah can That's you really amazing. quickly um share write not share I'm going to write while you share aloud the Instagram can yeah. you just spell it out so people yeah. listening can can follow yeah it's at um kip Poder. Uh, so K-I-P-P-P-O-D-E-R, uh, public school. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, can you write it down for us? I mean, just say it out loud. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Daisy. It was great to talk to you. And we will be checking in with you yes, throughout the year to hear Thank you out. both for just um, having me and, and, you know, in your podcast. And, um, you know, I really enjoy listening to you guys and all the work that you're doing. And um, I love that both of you are like teachers at heart. It's like the most <laughs> wonderful thing. And um, I'm, I'm happy to connect again and excited to continue uh, this conversation. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. Have a good rest of your day. You too.